0: Everybody, and Welcome to Live with Lon. I am so glad that you're with us today. We have an incredible section of Scripture today. Incredible. To bring hope and encouragement to our lives, let's pray and we'll dig in. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and minds that we might understand the Word of God and that our hearts might be soft and malleable uh, in the presence of the Word of God. And use the scripture in our life today in a mighty way to encourage our faith, to give us hope, to fortify our souls, to press on for Christ, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, what? Amen. And what would you say? Amen. All right. You ready? And away we go. We are finishing up John chapter 10, an amazing chapter of Scripture. And today, wow, we've got an amazing passage of Scripture. If you remember, Jesus was talking about himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, meaning primarily the cross, but also in everyday life, how he protects us. And uh, so we've gotten through Jesus saying, My sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And we talked about how how, uh, much that guarantees our eternal security once we have our salvation. They shall never perish. That pretty well means nothing we can do to lose our salvation. Now, you can go back and listen to those messages. I hope you will. But let's move on. Verse 31, John chapter 10. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works, many miracles I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, quote, I said you are God's, end of quote, if he, God, called them God's, little g, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Why do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God. Listen, Jesus said, if I do not do the works of my Father, miracles, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan River to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. And many came to him and said, John performed no sign, no miracle. But all the things that John spoke about this man, Jesus, were true. And many believed in him there. Okay, now, this is, uh, the so what here is going to be magnificent. But before we do that, we got to exposit and exegete. Of what the verses here say. And they're problematic. You say, why? Well, I hope you noticed it. Look, verse 34, is it not written in your law, quote, God speaking, I said you are God's. If he, God, called them God's, little g, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, why do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God. You said, what in the world does that mean? That God called the Jewish people gods. What does that mean? And the scripture cannot be broken. Okay, well, that is certainly a problematic. Verse. And you know, let me go back and make my point one more time. If you're doing topical preaching, you never include this this passage in a topical uh, series because you don't want to have to grapple uh, with a very difficult passage of Scripture. But if you're doing verse by verse, exegetical, expositional teaching through the Bible, baby, you got to deal with this. Whether you like it or not, you just can't skip over it and go to John chapter 11. No. Got to deal with this. And God wants that kind of preaching because he wants us to deal with everything he says in the New Testament and in the Word of God. Not just the easy parts that we like to pick out. Now what does this mean? Well, that quote uh, in, in, in verse 34, I said you are God's. That comes from Psalm 82. So let me take you back to Psalm 82. In Psalm 82, we're in verse 6 I said, God speaking, you are gods, and all are you as sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. All right. God here calls the Jewish leaders. Um, the sons of the Most High, and says they are God's, little g. But they'll die like men. So he obviously is not calling people God in the sense that God is an eternal being, all living, all powerful, sovereign being. No, he says you're still going to die like men. So what's he talking about? Well, look up at verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly? and show partiality to the wicked. Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. I said you are gods, blah, blah, blah. Arise, verse 8. Judge the earth. Most commentators believe, and I agree with them, that the use of the word God's here, Elohim, with a small g, uh, is referring to these Jewish leaders who have authority from God to judge. Why God calls them gods and not just judges, I don't know. You know, if I don't know, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know. But whatever reason there was for that, he makes it clear, look at this, in verse 7, nevertheless you will die like men. So he's certainly not referring to them as as an eternal God. Now, if that's the case, then what he is doing is calling on them to judge rightly and judge justly. And coming back to John chapter 10, many people think Jesus' point is, hey, If you are the leaders of Israel here in John chapter 10 and you're talking to me about my claim to be the Son of God, judge justly. Judge righteously. And if you don't believe me, believe the miracles. And in light of all the miracles I've done, you should be judging that I am indeed the Son of God. Now that's the common view. However, I think that's partly right. I think he is referring to them, God is in Psalm 82, as judges who should judge righteously. But that's not the emphasis Jesus makes exactly. Look at John chapter 10 again. If he called them gods, verse 35, to whom the word of God came. He's not talking about their how they're judging. He's talking about the fact they were recipients of the word of God. Do you say, why do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming when I say, I am the Son of God? This is the point. And the point is that you who received the words were called gods with a little g. I, who came directly from the Father, and I am the word. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I am the Word, uh, uh, Jesus said. And the words I speak, they are the words of God. They are Scripture. If you are called little gods because you receive the Word, why would you have a problem calling me the Son of God when I am the Word? Do you see? Uh, I love what one commentator said. Let me read it to you, and I quote. He says that this is what Jesus is saying, quote, If it is permissible to call men gods because they were the vehicles of the word of God, how much more permissible is it to use the word God of him who is the word of God? Let's leave that quote up. Look at it again. If it's permissible to call men gods because they were the vehicle, the receivers of the word of God, how much more permissible is it to use the word God with a big G, of Him who is the Word of God? End of quote. That's the point. You understand? And Jesus said, "If you don't believe that I'm the Word, just look. Here was what He says: Believe the works." that you may know that the Father is in me and I am the Father. If if what I say is not enough to convince you, look at the miracles. I think that's the point of what Jesus is saying. Then he went away, went to the other side of the Jordan River for a while to rest and recuperate after his interactions with the rabbis in Jerusalem, and many people believed on him. So that's what I think the chapter is saying and I'm not, am I 100% sure I'm right? No, 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 I'm not because it's a difficult passage. But I think that's right. In light of interpreting what Jesus is saying in context, in context. You with me? Okay. Now, that's the end of our passage, but we want to ask our most important question. Are you ready? Here we go. Come on. A one. Two. Three. So what? Absolutely right. And uh, I have a friend for you. Here he is. You ready? Come on now. We need to say it with him. Say it with me. Here we go. Come on. One, two, three. How sweet it is. Or as Jackie would say, how sweet it is. All right. Now. Now. What's the so what here? You say, well, I don't know, Lana, I don't, I don't see any so what anywhere in here. For me, ah, uh, look, look, verse 35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, now watch, and the scripture cannot be broken, then why do you say blah, blah, blah? And this Jesus said, this is not a comment by John, the writer. If you look in a red letter edition, you'll find these are in red letters, indicating that the Greek New Testament makes it clear uh, that, uh, that Jesus said these words, and the scripture cannot be broken. And the scripture cannot be broken. And this is the position of the Son of God. That anything in the Scripture must come true exactly the way it's written because the Scripture cannot be broken. Now, let me take you on a very quick little trip through the Bible and let you see how Jesus and God and the Apostles reaffirmed this truth Scripture cannot be broken. First, Matthew 26. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the the troops came to capture him, and Peter cut off the ear of one of them. And Jesus said to him, verse 53, Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? 12,000 angels? But how then will the Scripture be fulfilled, that it may be... Thus, that it may be this way. Jesus said, I mean, I want to go to the cross in the flesh. Uh, but, and I can get out of it if I want to. I can call on the Father. Two angels wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. Can you imagine what 12,000 could do? Holy smokes. Uh, but he said, can't do it. Because the scripture must be fulfilled. It cannot be broken. How about verse 56? It says, and but this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. How about Luke chapter 24? Jesus was teaching after his resurrection, talking to his disciples, and look what he said. And he said to them, verse 44, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things I told you, this is what I told you, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. They must be fulfilled. How about John chapter 17? This is part of Jesus' high priestly prayer, verse 12. He said, While I was with them, meaning the disciples, in the world I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Where is the scripture fulfilled in this? Well, how about the 30 pieces of silver, which is quoted from the Old Testament? And it was in the scripture, had to be fulfilled. Uh, How about uh, John 19, verse 24? In talking about Jesus' robe, the soldiers said to themselves, verse 24, let us not tear it, But let us cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Uh, In Acts chapter 1, verse 16, look, Peter stood up and said, men and brethren, this Scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. The scripture had to be fulfilled. And, and one more, 1 Corinthians 15.3. There are others, but I'll just give you one more. 1 Corinthians 15.3, For I delivered to you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins randomly? No. According to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Everything happens according to the Scriptures. Everything happened in Jesus' life and ministry according to the Scriptures. Why? 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 Because here in John chapter 10, Jesus says the scriptures cannot be broken. They must come true just the way God said they must come true. Now, where do we see some other examples of this? Well, I, I think one of the greatest examples is the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. A God promised in the Old Testament that he was going to do this. Listen, Jeremiah 23 uh, and verse 3. God says, Then I myself shall gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. And where were the Jews driven? They were driven in all around the world, uh, particularly in Europe, but everywhere. I will, I, 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 will, I will gather them from the countries where I have driven them, and I shall bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and uh, multiply. Uh, How about Jeremiah 32, verse 37? Behold, I will gather them out of all the lands to which I have driven them in my anger, in my wrath, and my great indignation, and I will bring them back to this place and make them dwell in safety And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And then we move on to Ezekiel, chapter 20, where Ezekiel says in verse 42, And you will know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the land which I swore to give to your forefathers. Ezekiel 37, the great vision of the dry bones, Look at verse 21. And say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the sons of Israel from among the nations where they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king will be their king forever." And they shall no longer be two nations, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, and they will no longer be divided into two kingdoms. And we could keep going, but you know the rebirth of Israel in 1948 was a modern miracle. Uh, They had been out of their land for 1900 years. In the history of the world, no people has ever been separated from their homeland for 1900 years and ever gotten it back. No people has been separated from their homeland and ever survived 1,900 years as a unique people group like the Jews. No language like Hebrew has ever stopped as a living spoken language and then been reborn as a living spoken language. Except, like I said, for Hebrew. This is a modern miracle. And this is why. Because it's the Scripture. And the Scripture cannot be broken. And by the way, the Jewish people aren't going anywhere either because God said they'll stay in their land forever. So, try as you might. (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, The Jewish people are not going anywhere uh, in the land of Israel. They're staying. And so... To close, how does this relate to you and me? The scriptures cannot be broken. Ah, my friends, much in every way. Let me tell you some examples. You ready? John chapter 6. First, when it comes to eternal life, it applies to us. Look, John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, the Lord Jesus, and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Same chapter, John chapter 6, look at verse 47. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven, and you've got eternal life. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken, and this is what the scripture says. Hey, how about First Corinthians ten thirteen? There is no temptation taken you, overtaking you, except that which is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will may of make a way of escape that you might be able to bear up under it. Friends, never will you face anything as a believer that you cannot handle with the grace of God. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. And this is what the scripture says. How about Psalm 55, verse 22? Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved, to be shaken. No you cast your burden on God and He will see to it that your foundation stays secure and that you will not be shaken. Why? Because the Scriptures cannot be broken. And that's what they say. How about Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 1? Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flame hurt you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. So as a follower of Christ, when we're going through the fire and the flood, and the trials of life, when we're going through the rivers and the deep waters, they will not overflow us. They will not overcome us. Why? Because the Scripture cannot be broken. And this is what the Scripture says. How about Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? Now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, When you feel like you're in a situation and you just can't go forward, Jesus says, you can, if you'll trust me. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. And this is what it says. And how about verse 7? Be anxious for nothing, but let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. No matter how bad the circumstance, can you have peace in your heart that defies logic? It's supernatural. Yes. How? Because Scripture can't be broken. And this is what Scripture says. How about verse 19, Philippians 4? And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Will he make sure you have what you need materially? Yes, he will. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. And that's what the scripture says. And friends, you read through the Bible and every promise that's in there and everything that God says in there to us. You can count on it. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have one last one for you. First Thessalonians chapter four. I love this. Paul's talking about the return of Christ. And you say, Well, is it pre trib, post-trib, or mid-trib? Is it pre-mill or post mill or a mill? What I don't know. I, I, what difference does it make? This promise applies no matter when it is. And look what the promise says. The Bible says uh, that the Lord himself will descend, verse 16 of First uh, Thessalonians 4, from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are still alive will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord, and will be changed on the way up. If you're in the grave, when the Lord Jesus comes back, He's going to bring your body out of the grave, or out of the ocean, or out of the cremation dish, or even if your ashes are spread all over the world, He knows where they are, and you will rise from the dead with a new body, a glorified body that he will reunite with your spirit, which has eternal life and has been living in heaven with him, waiting for this new body. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. That's why, my friends. How great is this? How great is our confidence? The scripture cannot be broken. 12,000 angels Jesus could have called, but he didn't, because the scripture could not be broken. And it won't be broken for you either. Trust the scripture. Rely on the scripture. Memorize the scripture. Believe the scripture. Rest your eternal destiny on the scripture and rest your hope in life on the scripture for it cannot be broken. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, many of us today are struggling with all kinds of problems, difficulties, obstacles. And Lord, I pray today that you would reassure us that as we read the Scripture and as we read your promises, that, Lord, you will instill in our heart the deep and abiding confidence of what Jesus said here in John chapter 10, and the Scripture cannot be broken under any circumstances, meaning, If you promised it, Lord Jesus, it will happen. Lord, encourage our hearts with this wonderful truth today that we don't need to understand how it's going to be kept, how you're going to keep your promises. We just need to trust you because you're going to do it. Why? Because the scripture cannot be broken. Praise the Lord. Encourage our hearts today. With your word, in Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, what'd you say? Amen and what? Amen. Okay, thanks for joining us. Next week, Lord willing, on Live with Lon, we move into John 11, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Oh, my, what a chapter. See you then, Lord.